0: This podcast sponsored by the American Society for Information Science and Technology. Since 1937, ASIS has been the society for information professionals, leading the search for new and better theories, techniques, and technologies to improve access to information by the IA Summit. This year, your peers and industry experts spoke about how topics such as social networking, gaming, patterns, tagging, taxonomies, and a wide range of IA tools and techniques help users experience information. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For more events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. In a high-energy presentation, Eric Rice discusses about what we can learn from customer service gurus. He covers several points, including... Why 90% customer satisfaction isn't nearly good enough. Why most service metrics don't address the real customer pain points. Why service redundancy is usually way better than corporate synergy. Why sometimes we shouldn't listen to our customers and how we as IAs can start to create robust service experiences that build real trust and increase conversion rates. One word of warning when listening to this particular podcast, duck. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers.
1: Please welcome Eric. Thank you very much, Donna. Wow. I mean, honest to God, this is a really, really tough session. First of all, you've all been listening to sessions all day, I assume. (laughs) Donna gave up her zombie juice, for goodness sakes, to come. And if you look at the program, I'm up against Ingrid Toft and the other Norwegians. And honest to God, they're better looking than than I am. and they've got a really, really good case story, so you've got to talk to them afterwards because it's really, really interesting. <clears throat> I am here today... No, 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 I need to preface something. How many of you have ducks, small ducks? Quite a few of you. E- excellent. In the past, I have been known to throw things at the audience. I may still do so. But I thought this time I would give you a chance. And I, there, hopefully there will be... Th- Wait a minute, halt. wait for it, wait for it. God sakes. There are some things that I will show you on screen that I hope will make your blood boil. And when this happens, and do save your duck for a propitious moment, I want you to pelt that screen, which I have been assured is duck safe. I'm tremendously flattered that you're all here and that you would want to listen to me at this late juncture in our summit. I also apologize for the fact that although I really do try to stay within the limits, the time limits that are given me, we are the last session of the day, and I have a couple of good war stories. So if it runs a few minutes over, I really hope you'll forgive me. Another very important thing. Hi there. Uh, another very important thing I need to. to <laughs> that was from my business partner. I know. Can, you, can somebody. Lynn Boyden needs to be muzzled. Um, uh, Adam Palancey called us the, Grace and, the George and Gracie of the IA world a couple of years ago. And she's taken this very much to heart, which is extremely depressing. Uh, I wanted to let you know that this is, as usual, a fairly politically incorrect presentation. So if you don't like the language and you don't like the subject matter, you have only yourselves to blame. This is the time to leave. The doors have not yet been locked. (laughs) I will refer on several occasions to Jared Spool's keynote address yesterday. I think that in many ways it was a first for the IA Summit, and I was very pleased at several things I heard, not least of which being the word fuck, which basically says, great, you can do whatever you want, Eric. If the keynoter says fuck in the keynote, then you can pretty much say what you want. I'll give you a couple minutes to think about this and leave. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I'm here today to talk a little bit about e-service. Now, mind you, I didn't call it e-services, which is you know how do I file my tax return? How do I figure out my gas mileage? How do I figure out how to get laid on a Friday night in Miami? Uh, no, uh, <clears throat> go away! For God's sake! No, it's e-service. It's It's about self-service, it's about customer satisfaction, all those good things. And these are very ethereal uh, concepts. Uh, If you want it done right, do it yourself. And I'm not referring to sex. (laughs) There are four things you need to know. I am genuinely passionate about customer service. I think that it is violently important. There are also, I invariably, Cern, my business partner, is sitting in the front row, and he will attest to the fact that I regularly have at least 10 companies on my list that I refuse to do business with ever again. Cern says, he says, I'm the only man he knows that has PMS two months out of the year. Um... I'm sorry that was politically incorrect I should save that for something else let me yes thank you that's <laughs> great well I'm glad we got that established so is this relevant for IAs let me tell you how many of you here are IAs well you're in the wrong room because I have been told by my peers that this is not relevant. I have received so many snarky reviews from the people who were doing the reviewing for this conference. I have no clue as to how I ever got in here. This is not specifically in the... These are the nice ones. This is not specifically in the realm of what IAUX folks are responsible for. And why should we trust old knowledge? Let me hear that again. Ooh. I want at least two ducks up there right now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> For goodness, how many of you went to library school? Good. How many of you have heard of S.R. Ranganathan? How many of you know the five principles of library science? <laughs> the five principles of library or science are from, you lost your duck are from 1931. Where is Christina Woodkey? Somebody should tell this woman that this is old knowledge. We don't need it anymore. Why is she wasting space in boxes and arrows talking about Ranganathan in the March issue? Interestingly enough, I think we're disturbing them in there. Interestingly enough, if you substitute visitor for reader and website for book, Ranganathan's rules hold true today as much as they did in 1931 when he wrote them. For every book, it's reader. For every website, it's visitor. For every visitor, it's website. A library is a growing organism. The Internet is a growing organism. Old knowledge. I'm really curious who my reviewers are, but at the same time, you probably shouldn't show yourselves. Let me tell you, service is 100% about user experience. And if people get confused, it's the fact that user experience is not necessarily 100% about customer service. I'd like to introduce you to H.L. Mencken, who was editor of the American Mercury. He was, um, he was quite a pundit back in the 20s. Uh, not only was he the editor, but he collected snippets of Americana, as he called them. Things that he had found in newspapers, things that he had found uh, or heard in town, and so on. And he collect these, it collected these in a couple of volumes uh, that he called Americana, Americana 1925. This is a copy of Americana 1926. And I don't know whether you can see it, but these are all fairly short entries. This is what is known as blogging. And guess what? The American Mercury had a one-star, a two-star, a three-star, four-star, and a five-star final. Now please, please tell me, how many bloggers are actually updating their blogs five times a day? We are constantly applying old techniques to new technologies. The old knowledge is not bad. We need to figure out how to apply it to what we're doing. And so that's what I'd like to share with you today. George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to, to, to repeat it. And if our industry has a problem right now, it is that we have gone past the pioneering phase. We're homesteaders. We're building our sod huts. We're starting to pave our streets. We're starting to build an infrastructure. You can go to the University of Baltimore or to Kent State and you can get a master's in information architecture. And there are UW and, and, and UCLA and many other schools that are working on this. So suddenly people are legitimate. My own background is in theater and Egyptology and political science. Now, if anybody wants to tell me how that's relevant for information architecture, or How on earth I ever got elected president of the IA Institute is beyond me. The thing is, we have to be very, very careful that we don't fall for the not, or we don't get trapped in the not-invented-here syndrome. Suddenly, we become so proud of who we are and what we have learned in school that we forget that there are, in fact, other disciplines that perhaps know more about this than we do. So watch out for that. Accept the fact that we have not yet learned all there is to know about information architecture. So let's start with a definition. This is one from Turbin and King, Elijah Turbin, and I can't remember King's first name. Introduction to e-commerce. It's a kind of a useless book, so don't bother to buy it. But the, 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 the definition is not so bad. Customer service is a series of activities designed to enhance the level of customer satisfaction. This is probably where they should have stopped, but they didn't. So we have a dash, and then the feeling that a product or service has met expectations. And met expectations is, I think, what is key in this particular sentence. Because met implies that if you put this on a spectrum, at one side, clearly, things did not meet expectations or they exceeded expectations. So we've got this line going right down the middle there where, according to that definition, you either have satisfied or dissatisfied customers. Meeting expectations. Jared Spool showed us some slides yesterday where people were mad at Amazon and they were mad at whoever. Dell screwed up one place after the other. But whoo, amazingly, Walmart went up. Why? Because we have absolutely no expectations of Walmart. And anything they do is going to be good. And the truth is, you know, if you don't happen to buy a PC at Walmart, of all bizarre things to buy at Walmart, the service is actually very, very good. They're very kind. They're very considerate. They have you know, more than one lane open when you try to get out of the building. It's actually not such a bad organization. I don't want to get into the politics. I don't want to get into them closing down you know, Main Street, USA. But in terms of customer service, they don't do such a bad job. This explains Jared's findings. Let's put some numbers on this. I mean, we're sort of being all cute here. <laughs> Contrary to what Jared Spool says, you can, in fact, chart this out. And one of the the, the traditional or uh, tracking modes is loyalty versus satisfaction. And this is something that is indeed measurable and has been measured for many years. And the interesting thing is satisfaction can increase dramatically without a corresponding increase in loyalty. We're all the way up at 90% here. From 90% on, you see a dramatic increase in loyalty. And these are Jared's three inches Uh, of of, of string! Of string! My, of string. Three inches. Boy, that was a Twitter waiting to happen. (laughs) This, in the business, is known as hockey stick satisfaction. And for those of you who are not Canadian, this is a hockey stick. So there are a couple of things that we need to be aware of. When we waltz into a business meeting and we have some hot shot scratching the table with his cufflinks telling us, well, we enjoy an 83% satisfaction rating, this company is in trouble. This is from the Nielsen Norman Group. This is their satisfaction survey from one of their conferences. It starts at 7, excellent and 1 is poor. Okay, so let's chart that out. Let's say that 7 is 100%, that means that 1 is 0. How does this play out in between? Well, guess what? I didn't make up that 83%. It's right there at the 6. That means if Jacob gets straight 6's, which looks pretty good on paper, we're not going to be loyal to his very expensive conference. If we've got 500 or 1,000 dollars to go someplace, we'll go to EuroIA, we'll go to an ACES conference, we'll go to Adaptive Path, we'll go to Fat Ducks, we'll go to somebody else who's holding a conference. don't care. <laughs> there are ways to skew this because the chances of somebody giving you a 5 rather than a 4 are better than somebody giving you a 10 rather than a 9. Okay? So what has happened here is we do surveys where we actually skew it. Satisfied is not neutral. Satisfied is positive because, in fact, whatever happens down there, we really don't care. We're interested in the hockey stick effect and we're trying to uncover that. And, of course, you're saying, my God, is this relevant for IAs? Well, your competitors are only a click away. And I don't care if you're an e-commerce site and you're selling shoes or you are the Boy Scouts of America and you're selling ethics. Everybody has a customer. What the hell was so funny about that? (laughs) Well, that's what they tell me. So long before we had Jacob, we had a lot of gurus, and here are some of them. They're John Scholl, Ron Ray, Considine, Philip Crosby, and Carl Albrecht. And apart from the fact that they're all middle-aged white men with white shirts and really boring ties, those are the tags. Uh, (laughs) The important things to remember is that back in the 80s, these are the people who were really defining customer service. And I've had the pleasure of talking with all of them, with the exception of John Scholl. I'll tell you why in a minute. These are the books they're writing. Scholl and Zemke are both writing books on e-service, for goodness sakes. They really did. They actually know something about it. Happily, they don't quite understand our industry. I think it's the white shirt and tie. But uh, the point is, they have an experience. They understand that our industry is relevant for them, and they're trying to figure out how to assimilate their knowledge with what we know. Ray Considine was even kind enough to send me the first edition of his book. Now, why would they want to talk to a kid in Denmark? I was, at the time, working for a company called Time Manager International, and Time Manager International had a service guru by the name of Klaus Möller. And Klaus Möller was a very, very smart man who understood service. And at one point, Jan Carlsen, who was the CEO of Scandinavian Airlines, came to Time Manager and said, look, we're a crap airline. Passenger, uh, pa- uh, we're, it, we, we, we're in trouble. Help us. And in 1985, SAS became Airline of the Year. That's not too shoddy. Now at this time, Maggie Thatcher in England is about to privatize everything she can privatize in England. And so we've got old BOAC and BEA and a whole bunch of other reasonably uh, uh, mediocre British carriers that have been fused into British airlines. Got Colin Marshall coming over from Norton Simon. He was the one who actually approved the Avis slogan, We Try Harder. he said, okay... If you can do this for SAS, can you do it for us? And in 1986, we made British Airlines Airline of the Year. This is one of the reasons I'm so upset with British Airlines today, because I know what they are capable of. I know that of which they are capable Ignore the split infinitives. We pioneered Scandinavian service management, and that's kind of what I'd like to share with you today. And this is why the guys who were writing these books were actually corresponding with me and saying, well, you, gosh, you know, how did you do that? How did you tweak it? How did you get the, the airline captains, who were all sort of XRAF jocks, to actually talk to the baggage handlers? What is it that made good service? And what can we learn? Well, number one, service management is a process, not a program. A process starts at one point, but it goes on for a long time. It doesn't have a date where you cut it off. But a program starts here and it goes there. And that is what Willie Walsh, who is the present CEO of British Airways, has not understood. He is using service scenario that I wrote 20 years ago, but he doesn't understand it. Oh, a new employee, two days on a service course, and then that's the end of that. You know, go out and handle baggage. Doesn't work like that, Willie. And that's why your airline sucks. And it's not a buzzword, for God's sakes. This is my mother's trash can. Miami-Dade County. Now look at this. This is their tagline, delivering excellence every day. This is, <laughs> these are the garbage men, for goodness sakes. They come once a week, and I don't want them delivering anything. This is uh, Vanguard. How many people are here from Vanguard? Hold your ducks. Hold your ducks, Vanguard. Now. OK. OK, now listen, I, apart from the fact that they start, I welcome to Vanguard. I'll ignore that, but there's a, it, the, the client-owned investment management company built to put your interests first. And that's a really good tagline for, uh, for a homepage of a website because it explains what this company is and it certainly indicates an interest in the people who are going to be using it. This is a customer service promise. We put your interests first. Now the thing is that I actually photoshopped this page. And I removed something very, very critical, and I've just re-added it. Has anyone noticed what happened to the site? Come on, folks. We got a goddamn registered trademark in there. They don't mean this. This is the marketing party. Well, we just paid $300,000 for a new (laughs) tagline built to put your interests first. So we want a registered trademark on there. You can go up to your room in the Hyatt here and this bizarre thing, what on earth is it? Pampering vanity kit, for God's sakes. You know what's in it? (laughs) Q-tips. British Airways, right there it says, whether customers are in the air or on the ground, British Airways takes pride and money, in providing a full-service experience. Note they don't say a good full-service experience. (laughs) I don't fly British Airways because they've lost my luggage, 11 out of 12 flights. Now, I've talked to the folks at British Airways. I still have some friends. They refuse to, well, they prefer to remain anonymous. But they tell me, look, it's not British Airways, it's British Airports Authorities. Heathrow is a mess, it's not us, you know, we fly the planes, we get there on time, and then British Airports Authorities comes and attacks your luggage and you never see it again. (laughs) And that is why we are building Terminal 5 at Heathrow, which will solve all the world's problems. (laughs) Terminal 5 at Heathrow, we will revisit this several times during the course of this discussion. I was Quite pleased to see when they did open British Airways Terminal Five. Four days? That's five thousand bags a day! For goodness sakes! British Airways loses fifteen to twenty thousand bags. at supremely borked, Heathway Term- Terminal Five. Oh. Brilliant. And you know when they don't lose the bag? I am so paranoid about checking baggage on this airline, I actually take photographs of it. <laughs> this is taken a Thursday morning in Copenhagen, Denmark, on my way to Miami, Florida. <laughs> this is Saturday morning in Miami, Florida. <laughs> Twitter that. Mind you, I said Thursday and Saturday, you do the math, it's a 10 hour flight from London. They've lost, they've smashed luggage three out of these 12 flights, and we have not settled on one claim yet. They smashed a camera, which was inside a sock, inside a shoe, and they say, well, we don't cover uh, uh, fragile things. Fragile things? You ran over it with a fork truck. There are fifteen brand touch points you can read all about them in scott davis 's book i didn 't bother to type it in it really doesn 't matter pre purchase experience purchase experience post post purchase experience that 's where website development is. Did you know that it 's only post purchase i didn 't know that. And influence, the, the brand touch points are good. The man doesn't understand the web. That doesn't matter. The branding exercise is extremely good. If we look at British Airways, they have a touch point in the air. I couldn't find pictures of happy passengers, so I had to take one from a stock photo. Uh, this is, of course... <laughs> it's very nice. And it is available for purchase at a modest price. And, of course, on the ground, this is stolen from British Airways' own website. Don't you love those really natty uniforms they have? Boy. <clears throat> of course, this is the way we see British Airways on the ground. <laughs> and then, of course, there is correspondence, snail mail, cyber, uh, email. I was in Miami planning to go home, and a couple of days before I was scheduled to go home, I got this notice, important Your flight is moving. Now there is no way this can be a good email. I open it with great trepidation. May I remind you, I'm in Miami, Florida, going to Copenhagen, Denmark via London. And I assumed from this that British Airways Terminal 5, they had built it in Algiers. (laughs) Because there was no other way that I would be going to Algiers for goodness sakes. Uh, It was also remarkable, I was planning to fly on the 28th of March and not the 30th, so I didn't know why this was relevant. And actually, in all fairness to British Airways, they did write an apology the next day and they said, okay, all right, this was silly and you received it by mistake and we do apologize. That was on a Tuesday, I think. I got the message again on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. (laughs) Now, friends, this is food for thought. We have a company here that doesn't know how to send email. And yet, we are allowing them to operate heavy machinery at great heights (laughs) Filled with many people. (laughs) And then we have in cyberspace. This is the manage my booking site. My wife and I managed to fight through this in Copenhagen. And after a while and several mistakes, we did, in fact, manage to print a boarding pass, which meant that we didn't have to be in line at the airport. Well, we did, because British Airways actually doesn't have a place where you can drop off your bags. So, screw it. In Miami, on the way home, we figured, well, look, let's try this again. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll print out some boarding cards. So, you know, I power up my mom's Mac, dial into AOL, and, I mean, we're at like seven minutes a click. It took us the better part of an hour to figure out that we were unable to complete our task. Among other things, we were unable to com- book the complete journey. You can only book the journey 24 hours in advance. Now, their website doesn't understand time changes. And moving east, you lose six hours from Miami to Copenhagen, Denmark. So the last hour and a half flight from London to Copenhagen was outside that limit. Well, I talked to British Airways about that. I said, for goodness sakes, I mean, you don't accept Mac, you don't accept AOL, you don't take dial-up, and you've got this goofy 24-hour limit on your website. Why is that? Well, Apple doesn't support our technology. Okay, who here works for Apple? Alright, who here knows somebody who works for Apple? No, this is really important because you've got to get a message to Steve. He is really missing a major opportunity. And you know, American Airlines, he doesn't support their technology either. True. And no AOL. Well, we support Internet Explorer, the world's leading browser. Yes, hello. I'd like to look at a red dress. Well, here's a nice shoe. <laughs> and now one of you asked, why would he be looking for a red dress? No dialogue. Well, your system is outdated. 24-hour limit. Hey, I don't make the rules. It's everybody's fault, but British Airways. This is absolutely absurd. Do you think that this is a good customer experience? They have fucked up on one, two, three, four key customer touch points, brand touch points. This is absolutely disgraceful. Willie Walsh, you should go out and hang yourself. And I'll tell you, unhappy... Unhappy customers are dangerous as hell. You know, if you have a good experience, let's see a happy customer here, you will tell one, two, three friends. If you are an unhappy customer, you will tell one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 11, 12, you will tell 17 people. And yes, there are statistics. There's another lesson, and that is service happens at the moment of the experience. This is really tricky. It's not a thing, it's a perception. There's a when and a where about the experience, and these are what Jan Carlson calls moments of truth. In fact, he said, well, there are 50,000 moments of truth for SAFs every day. That was the number of passengers they were carrying in the mid-'80s. And in fact, he even wrote a book called Moments of Truth, and he got Tom Peters to write the, uh, the, the foreword to it. So, I mean, this is a serious, seriously good book about customer service. This is a Cadillac, a couple of years old. Do you know why Americans choose one model car as opposed to another? This is all about moments of truth. It has nothing to do with airbags or safety or color or whether you can get a leather interior. No, my friends. No, 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 no. All of you who are not Americans, just sit back and enjoy what will come. (laughs) This is the American experience. You get in your car. You drive to the Blockbuster. There's a Starbucks next door. You get your mocha, maki heat what of whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> you got your telephone in the other ear. You got your video films under your arm. You get into your car somehow. <laughs> now, the thing is to drive home, and it's really, really tough to just drive with your knee, even with an automatic So you have to put something down, and if you are an American, you know that the phone is not going down. So (laughs) Starbucks is the one that needs to sacrifice themselves. The reason, and the car manufacturers are loath to admit this, is the number and placement of cup holders. This is a moment of truth. If you're driving a car, this is tremendously important. So eBay has millions of online visitors and each one of them has many, many moments of truth. The same applies to Amazon, Yahoo, MSN, even little Ducks has dozens of visitors each day. (laughs) Yeah, bear with me. This is the only time you're going to see all these names on the same slide. (laughs) We want to make them happy. And the thing is, if they go unmanaged, everything goes to shit. Anybody recognize this situation? I'll give you a hint. This is Elizabeth I. She has dry feet. This is Walter Raleigh. He is the subject, a humble subject, with an expensive cloak, who sees a muddy puddle. This is known as seizing the moment. This is managing the experience. I didn't photoshop this. (laughs) This, at least in my book, doesn't inspire confidence in their services. So what is a service? Well, it's an intangible event that helps us achieve something. And that's my own definition. And this is an IA Summit unique event. An intangible event that helps us achieve something. Write this down, Twitter it, Oh, and, and for the benefit of the Vanguard people? There you go. <laughs> Telephone operators, chauffeurs, gas station attendants, Paul Heinrich lighting Betty Davis's cigarette and now Voyager. Now what do these services have in common? What? Absolute. They're absolute. Exactly. We tank our own gas, we drive our own cars, we dial our own numbers. And we're not supposed to light our own cigarettes, but There are 10 reasons that services are tough to manage. Well, first of all, they're only produced at the moment of delivery. I mean, you can't, well, I'm going to save up 10 lighting of cigarettes in my pocket. It doesn't happen. That means that they can't be warehoused, they can't be inspected, and they're really, really tough to manage from the executive suite. You can't demonstrate it, you can't send samples, they're nothing tangible, uh, you can't pass it on to somebody else. And if the service sucks, it cannot be recalled. (coughs) We all know the situation. We go to the grocery store. And we have some retired CEO of a Fortune 500 company who is now packing our bag. So we've got some tomatoes here. We've got some grapes. A couple of them fell out. We will build strong bodies 12 ways. We have some pork and beans. We have a little bottle of water here. Thank you. Is there anything else I can help you with? I'm sorry, you can't recall it. And that means the quality assurance has to happen before you've actually produced the product. And this is why we as IAs have to pay attention to this because we are the first line of defense. We have to figure out where are these events coming from? What are the moments of truth? What can we do to make sure that this crap doesn't happen? Delivery will require an interaction. Hello, we're interaction designers. Guess what? And expectations, as we saw before, are directly related to the degree of satisfaction. And here's a kicker. The more people who are involved in this, the less likely we are to be satisfied with the experience. This is a slide you should take pictures of. I will wait. Good. Okay. You can see it on Flickr tomorrow. (laughs) I'd like to tell you the story of eBay and the dead password. I woke up one morning, a cold, gray march morning, and I logged on to eBay. I typed in my username. I typed in my password. I pressed enter. I'm sorry, we do not recognize. I tried again. I tried a third time. Something is screwed up. I can't get online. I go in, I use eBay search to find out that nobody is buying anything in my name and nobody is selling anything in my name. So that's reassuring. So I go to customer support. Do you see any place where I can actually write them a message? And if you read it carefully, it says, important, to send customer support email, you would need to be signed into your eBay account. (laughs) If you are unable to sign into your account, please contact (laughs) customer support. I WANT DUCKS NOW! EXACTLY! Joseph Heller could not have written a Better Catch 22. We're going to run over, so if you have to pee, I'm sorry. March, Thursday I write them a letter, Friday I get an auto-reply, Monday I write to them again, Tuesday I get an auto-reply, Wednesday I get a letter in German, for God's sake asking me for information. It goes, I got an auto-reply from England. I get another info-request. Do you notice they don't work in the weekends? I get an info-request from .co.uk. Friday, I get another info-request from eBay Deutschland in German, I write back, in German. I live in Denmark, for God's sakes. Somebody, some computer said, well, it's almost Germany. How many Germans are in the audience? Good. Cover your ears. Cover your ears, dears. Look, you know, I, I hate to bring this up, but if there's one thing Danes don't like to do is to interact too much with the Germans. It may have something to do with five years of Nazi terror during the Second World War. What do I know? <laughs> but this is not good customer service. I got another auto reply from ebay.com. I have no clue. I think it just, you know, every Monday it says, oh, well, we'll send that <laughs> Finally, on the 22nd, I get a personal note from somebody in England. A person with a name and a reply address. And I explain the problem. And the following Monday, I get a password uh, reset notification. On Tuesday, everything's fine. Who works for eBay here? (laughs) Thank you. If you want the correspondence, I will give it to you. Interaction for interaction's sake just doesn't find. There are three types of service there are help services, there are enhancement services, and there are fixed services. And this I go use the acronym HEF. Oh, you're so far ahead of me. <laughs> oh, more Russian water is needed. Right, let's look at the help. It's kind of beam me up, Scotty. And, uh, you know, I need to do something. I need to understand something. You know, save me from the eBay's browser monster that's making me go in these rings here. What, what they won't tell you is, is, oh, please, make me feel good. Make me feel wanted. It's care and concern. That's a really important thing. Then there's enhancement. It's milk and cookies. It means, oh, here's a nice contextual link. Here's a surprise. Here's something nice that you've done for me. Or, hey, oh, the doggone machine ate my homework. <clears throat> so just fix it. I don't want to know how. Just do it and don't waste my time. Those are the three services. The problem is we don't always understand the pain points. And in 1985, I actually sted, 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 brr, spent several days in Heathrow Airport interviewing air passengers. And we had a long list of things that we thought were pain points and customer concerns. Care and concern, make me feel good. Yes, we had that on our list. Problem solving, yes, we had figured that one out too. Interestingly enough, there were a couple others. Spontaneity and recoverability, they weren't even on the list. And so we asked people, what on earth is that about? And they say, look, frontline personnel needs to be able to, to think. We don't want them to call the supervisor. We don't want them to to check in some big book to see if they can do whatever is necessary. And we want them to do whatever is necessary. If you screw up, make it right. This is incredibly important. And you have to watch out the easily measurable metrics because we thought, well, you know, gosh, isn't it important that you fly on time? And they said, no, I'm sorry. We do not care about flying on time. This is why you have schedules. We book onward transportation. We get people to meet us at the, at the airport. We plan our day and our business meetings because you publish a schedule. This is not a service. This is what you promised to do. You've got to make sure you're adding value. This is in, Bar- uh, not in Barcelona. It's in, um, in San Jose on the island of, uh, of La Palma in the Canary Islands. And the city council decided that they needed to make things accessible. So everywhere there's a step, there is now a wheelchair ramp. Now, I've cropped the picture. Let me show you the whole picture. Okay, this is very funny, but I want to show you that it includes three very key things. We have people when we're doing service design. We have a process that needs to be completed, and we have technologies we can use. And all three of these elements have to be there. So this is actually a really, really good slide. So if you're going to take pictures, this is the one. Photo op. You've got to encourage feedback. Clearly eBay really doesn't care about what I think. Amazon does, and this is one of the reasons that Amazon constantly, consistently ranks better in terms of customer service. And you've got to fix everything two ways. If my package doesn't arrive on time, don't do what's necessary to assuage my my hurt feelings. Figure out why did that package go wrong and how many other packages are also going wrong because there's something wrong in the system. So you've got to fix it both ways. It's not enough just to say, okay, we've made him happy. What about the 20 people you haven't heard from that are unhappy who are telling 17 people that they are unhappy? There are 10 things customers will tell me. So don't tell me how great you are. Be great. Go the extra mile. Don't get in my way where I'm trying to shop. If I know what I'm looking for, help me find it, for God's sakes. Give me straight talk. If you're going to go off and look for my size, tell me. I want feedback. Just don't turn on your heel and go away. If you want me to buy something, tell me what it costs. Are your own affairs really so important well, I told Jim that I'll be with him. And no, obviously, yes, a limo, and I wanted a really, really long one. I mean, it's the senior problem, for goodness sake. I'll be with you. <laughs> We've all been in those situations. Don't make me feel stupid. If you make a mistake, admit it. That's the best. If somebody is really furious, if they're really furious and say, like, okay, I screwed up. It's my fault. I'm really sorry really difficult to continue being mad at these people. Admit your mistake. Offline and online has got to come together in some kind of customer experience management. Forget customer relationship management where you track, you know, whose wife got married and what birthdays there are and all the other malarkey that you put in the databases. But figure out how on earth you do this online-offline convergence. And let me show you, and this is absolutely the last case story. This is wine.com. I did uh, a couple of lectures for Lynn Boyden, who is sitting in the first row, and Donna and uh, if you would chain her. Uh, I did some lectures for UCLA uh, for the information architecture class, and Lynn knows that I like California wine, and she was kind enough to send me a bottle. She went onto uh, onto wines.com, sent me a bottle of Mount from Cab Sav from, 19, uh, from uh, 2004. And she also sent me a personal note. It says, "Make your gift even more special." Well, she figured the bag was silly, but a printed gift message—that's a nice thought, and it's a good wine, and I really appreciated it. So I got this big box, and the printed note is over here, just next to—well, I have it up on the screen too. Uh, after you know, here they've torn off the shipping label. And here's the note, and it's perforated, so I, apparently I could tear it off myself and then fold it in two and put it next to the bottle and say, ooh, it wasn't that nice. <laughs> and then there are, sticky, there are stickies at the bottom that are, so I know that it came from Wines.com. So that is the personalized thank you note that Wines.com thought I deserved. But it was a big box, so they had, of course, room for other things such as their own thank you note. We hope you've enjoyed your experience with Wine.com so far. Look, I'm not interacting with Wine.com. I'm sorry. They're supposed to be the invisible partner. They're British Airports Authority. They're just supposed to get the goddamn baggage from A to B. But they sent me an ad, a very nicely printed ad, signed by the CEO and the founder. Absolutely disgraceful. So I decided, well, okay, it's not in my book of California wines. I'd like to know more about what this is. So I go to the wine site. Now this is where you would expect to see the homepage of wines.com, but in fact, if you log in, the first screen you're greeted with is this. I tried to go forwards and backwards, and this is and that is, and I couldn't get away from that. So I typed in Florida because I have a relation to Florida, and immediately I was confronted with, "We currently ship to most locations in Florida. They want a zip code." When I finally got into the site, I crawled around a little bit to find out, why is this? And they, Well, we have found that the select state layovers, layover screen, interesting word, while a little intrusive, interesting interpretation of the word little, <laughs> almost entirely eliminates the chance of customers being disappointed by the way their order can be affected if they don't choose a shipping state before shopping. Not only is the argument circular, but it has nothing to do with me. This is not customer service. This is are your own affairs so important that you feel justified in ignoring me and don't get in my way when I am trying to shop? Don't think that this is just Paco Underhill on the call of the mall. This happens in our world too. So I finally get in. Ship to Florida. Good Lord. Okay, send a gift. We're going to send a gift. Oh, ranked the number one online wine store by Internet Retailer magazine. Anybody know what this outfit is? Two, three years in a row. Look, if don't tell me how great you are, be great. Send a gift. Okay, great. Shop by price. Lots of nice facets here. Excellent. Bottles that are great to give. That sounds like something that Lynn might have clicked on. So we click on that, and I get 70 completely irrelevant things. I've got a chateauneuf de Pop. I've got a Canti Cassico. And I've got a Chablis. Now, I don't know much about information architecture, but I'd say that this is kind of a weird way to present things and Click for next page. This is the number one wine shop. So if you're out there looking for newbies, I think there are opportunities. (laughs) If I know what I'm looking for, help me find it. I finally found the search engine. This is for something else. I searched for Bearboat, which is a really good Pinot Noir from Washington State, and it says, please double-check your spelling and shipping state. (laughs) Nobody has ever... Google has never asked, where will you be reading this information? (laughs) Don't make me feel stupid, for goodness sakes. I finally found the goddamn page. This Wine.com is very proud of the fact that, well, this is for people who don't know much about wine. And people who don't know much about wine don't know that W-E is wine whatever, And I can't even remember it. Wine enthusiast and WS is wine spectator. Excellent. Good lord. Now related. I'm still trying to figure out what is this winery. I could scroll. There was absolutely nothing. All right. Shop all Mount Vedder or learn about Mount Vedder. Now you can click on Shop All Mount Vedder. You get search results where you've got two that are actually from Mount Vedder and a third that is a competing wine. If you if you click on the other one it's at in fact the Mount Veeder winery and there is some information interestingly enough search for wines from Mount Veeder this is the wineries page and then you get that search result so basically the search is sending you to competing products Hmm I think Mount Veeder should complain get out of the way Now you can print seller notes print seller notes this is analog okay we understand how printers work we're going to print cellar notes and we're going to put them with our wine, okay? We're going to keep them for posterity. Still no information about the winery. Customers who bought this also bought some damn California whatever. Is that relevant to somebody who's printing out cellar notes? If you print out the whole thing and scroll, there is in fact something about the Mount Vedder winery. Interestingly enough, the price suddenly changed from $36 to $43. $43 was the previous page, and then this, and I think, well, gosh, I wonder what this wine actually costs. I googled it, $32, 29 34 29 Okay, so what are the shipping costs? It costs $31 just down the street from where I live in Miami. If you expect me to buy something, you've got to tell me what it costs. Yeah, I know, we all need more, more ducks, more ducks. In order to figure out the shipping costs, I had to log in. I had to create an account and after I created an account I had to enter a credit card. After I entered the credit card I had to have a shipping address. After that I went through all this malarkey about the gifts. And finally I get to a page that tells me that my shipping is going to be $9.95. Standard estimated arrival, seven business days. Standard shipping, $9.95. Of course I could have had priority, which is an extra $10. (laughs) Estimated arrival, seven business days. Or express, estimated arrival six business days, add $15. How stupid do these people think I am? And substitute vintage, no. No. So I say, screw this. Cancel order. And what page do you get? If we do not demand good service, we will never receive it. This is critical. This happens when you go to the Avis rental car This happens when you go to the Hyatt and say, I have a non-smoking room that stinks. And I can't open my balcony door. Well, everything above the seventh floor is sealed so that people don't jump. <laughs> Which makes me wonder if I jump from the sixth floor, will I survive? Our job is not just to prevent bad things from happening. I know that that's the way most of us work. I apologize. That's the way our industry is, but we have to educate the people who are paying our salaries. It's not just preventing the bad things from happening, it's trying to make the wonderful things happen. That's what our job is about. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you.